All right, hello. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Rescue Bots podcast. And with a purposeful grimace and a terrible sound, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Roar! Uh-oh. We have David. Uh-oh. And I'm David. Oh. oh, David had to go find some sound effects. Yeah, yes, I did. Oh, did that clip off on Discord? Yeah, well, you went silent for a second. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. Oh. No, I was making sure it started. Well, normally I, I pause between. But, uh, the, the one guy we need for this episode. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, I have to be here. You can't do an episode without me. Admittedly, you can't ep- edit an episode. No, without me. and Maybe we especially... One of these days I'm going to force one of you guys to edit. Well, we especially no. cannot do this one without you. Because this is the yes. Davidiest episode of Rescue Boss yet. It is the Attack of Humongado, season yes. three, episode twelve, uh, first released March seventh, twenty fifteen. Written by occasional Rescue Bots writers Jackson Grant and Shannon McCain. Uh, last seen around here vo- uh, with last with last season's movers and shakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one where they they meet a bunch of like anti technology people in upstate New York who. Uh, who make really good brooms and furniture. <laughs> that would be that would be fun. Because uh, you know, I would like some furniture. I, I I have some cabinets. I think they're shaker cabinets. Or they're, they're reasonably good. And of course, we do have is... Amish furniture stores where I am. Oh, they may be Amish. There's more Amish or Amish adjacent oh. or Mennonite up here where we get I get pickles and stuff. <laughs> Actually, wait, when was the last time I went to the farm? I gotta go. Maybe they have jellies. Ooh. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, in this episode we discover that, uh, that David and Cade have something in common. Yes! Yeah, annoyingly. Possibly the one thing. Yes. <laughs> so we, we are out at the, uh, the, the Griffin Rock Drive-In Theater. It's night, it's cold, Danny is especially cold, but Cade insists that they be there because this is how you you have to see the attack of Humongado. Oh no! Now now, Kate and I are having some things in common with my <laughs> insistence on setting up my uh, on connecting a Chromecast to one of my CRT TVs to try to stream gargoyles. <laughs> I, mean, I I will agree that seeing a giant monster movie in a theater is good, but <clears throat> I don't know if I've ever seen one in a drive-in. <clears throat> I mean, I guess that probably would, like the original Godzilla when it hit. The states with Raymond Burr in tow probably would have been shown at a lot of drive-ins. Oh, I yeah. bet. Yeah, and double features with things. Oh, uh, Godzilla versus the Thing was famously in a double feature with something. I forget what. Like uh, like them or the the giant Gila monster or Tarantula, the Black Scorpion. I mostly I mostly just know about the ones that they show sometimes on Comet that were dubbed by Omni Productions, and so you get to hear like. Omni dub Galvatron talking about Mecha Godzilla <laughs> and darn, Jet Jaguar. Darn that Mecha Godzilla! Ah. <laughs> and of course, yeah, you know, like, Blade. Hey, I recognize those voices. Blades is not too impressed by how fake the robots, by how fake the monsters are. Uh, except he is then frightened of them when, when they roar. Yes. <laughs> And he is called a yellow belly, and he points out that his belly's not yellow. It's sky blue. Yes. And uh, it turns out this place is run by frequent background character Mr. Bunty. Yes. Uh, he is the He's the guy who also has a pet flobster. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, we haven't had him focused on in a while. He I, is I, Steve Bloom. Yes, this might be the first so time he's focused. even been named. But... He's got big sort of middle-aged hipster vibes. Yeah. Not the first time he's had speaking roles, but... No. Because previously he was also Steve Bloom. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, first time he's actually gotten to do things other than be chased by flobsters. So, so you know, he's got this whole projection booth full of, uh, like, humongado memorabilia. Well, the, no, well, he's got a big standee of humongado... <clears throat> Little figures of various kaiju, different kinds. There's a little knockoff Ultraman in one shot. Mm. 
that has like an atomic symbol on his chest. So Humongado is a very like Godzilla shaped creature, but he's got a very like American Godzilla jawline. Yes. And then he's got like an ankylosaur tail. Yes. Yeah, he breaks the mold enough of, oh, it's not just Godzilla, but it kind of just is Godzilla. It's not Godzilla enough that Toho's not going to sue us. Yeah, no, but he's very much the the basic Godzilla-y shape, Mm -hmm. body shape of the tail and legs and little front arms. Of the, the the same as many many Ultraman monsters, yeah. and also we're seeing kaiju a lot in this episode, which I appreciate. Yes, well, this is a year after the American Godzilla, the good one, well, better one came out. Well, I'm thinking this is also what is it, two three years after Pacific Rim? Um, I think so. And that movie, they're throwing kaiju around a lot. Yeah, yeah, it, it is known at this point. Yes. It's, it's getting to the point where we're just not trying to Americanize it, and we're just accepting it as it is. Well, I don't know if... You, I forget if you read the writers off yet, but I just noticed... We don't pay attention to the director. I usually don't that mm-hmm. much. But I, I just read the director's name is Frank Squidface. <laughs> what? It, Can't be named squill, that. Squillface. Okay, fine. I just read too fast and thought it was Squidface. Frank Squillace, who is also a big... He was all, he was one of the big directors on the 90s X-Men cartoon, too. Oh. Speaking of things that I was hooking up a Chromecast to my CRT TV to try to stream through Disney+. Plus. I mean, if, you, if you're just hearing Gambit talk about the Thieves Guild... On a flat screen, it's not quite the same as seeing it in CRT. <laughs> the teeth <clears throat> and the assassins. That episode is so bad. I mean, I guess that's one thing that really makes X Men X Men is having like absolutely terrible accents. So <laughs> fair. Well, especially with X Men, it's not just bad accent. I mean. They're bad accents when they're in the comic books. And when they're yes. on that cartoon, it's a bunch of Canadians trying to do bad accents. <laughs> yeah, and it's hit and miss. Oh. Including whatever they're trying to do with Storm. Yes. Yeah. I shall meet you at the monorail. The monorail. <laughs> She's just trying to sound regal. <laughs> Uh, kind of works, but it's like an accent that no one has. And of course, I will su- I will slip in one of our customary BotBots plugs here, because uh, <gasps> Allison yes. Court, who was Jubilee on that 90s cartoon, is the voice director for BotBots. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. She, I love she, BotBots. She was also a famous Canadian clown. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, she was on but the- was she ever a politician? Uh, no, that was just Rogue. Okay. A famous Canadian clown. What? Well, she was on like a kid's show, The Big Comfy Couch. She was Lunette the Clown. Oh, okay. Oh, I, wow. I guess that is a famous Canadian clown. Not not like a clown, like independent of any other fiction, like uh, like a Ronald or a Bozo. And now I'm wondering. I know that uh, with the the X Men '97 cartoon that's coming out. I know that she she did choose to step aside to let an actual like Asian American actress oh, or at least nice. Asian Canadian actress uh, mm-hmm. take the role, uh, but I am curious to see if they are going to remain loyal to that absolutely terrible set of accents. <laughs> well, I mean, we know that they're bringing Lenore Zahn back to do Rogue, right? But I don't know. Her <laughs> Southern may have gotten better since then. I'm going to guess that if anything, it's gotten worse. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, you don't get a lot of opportunities to do that in Canadian Parliament. No, that's true. Uh, at no point did she refer to the Speaker of the House as sugar. <laughs> sugar? I feel like the biggest problem with her was really in the scripting, because she, she does not say y'all nearly enough, like nearly no. as much as an actual person in the South will make use of the word y'all. But are Southerners also constantly talking about how they're as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a... Uh, House full of rocking chairs. Room full of rocking chairs. Uh, not in my experience, though. Maybe that was just my particular <laughs> region. Maybe it's just because my grandparents weren't actually from Alabama. So, 
Anyway, uh, Mr. Bunty has apparently not seen uh, the movie Inglorious Bastards because it turns out flame is, ex- or it turns out film is extremely flammable. Yes. I didn't yes, realize is. that that was something that hadn't been, like, mm. fixed 30 years ago. Well, I mean, I guess these are, like, old-ass prints. Well, no, even a film, film, there's a reason things are more shifting to digital because film is one of the most combustible things out there and yet you're you're having this bright light shown on it well <laughs> and, and I, I do think that old film is more combustible than well yeah as it goes on because it, it gets like a well film I think there was like actual like nitroglycerin involved in the making of uh, like old old film like your your uh, you know which I think comes up in Inglorious Bastards in which they use a bunch of film to basically turn a theater into a bomb in which to incinerate Hitler. Yes. Yeah, because some film, like, it sweats weird shit. Yes. I guess that would be the nitroglycerin. Mm-hmm. Which is also why a bunch of silent movies are just gone, because they just went, they just oh. ignited back in, like, the 40s. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I I actually went looking to see if there are any lost kaiju movies that burned. I don't think so. There have been, like, there's some lost TV shows that were just taped over. There's mm. some movies that just never got finished, or, or they were, like, in the 30s or something, and World War II kind of fucked them over. <laughs> they were lost. Yeah. Anyway, so this, uh, this thing is extremely on fire. Um, they, I you know, wonder they- if it, uh, if it has, like, Danish subtitles. Like, the only copy of Flash Gordon that they could get in that theater that was showing it. Uh, during BotCon in oh. Durham. Oh, weird. <laughs> that is... I mean, the the Europeans do love Flash Gordon. But we learned what Smearlop means. Oh, I think, isn't that the Dutch, not the Danish? I don't know. I forget. Yeah, I guess it was Dutch subtitles. Oh, in the Dutch language. Ugh, I don't remember. I just remember that we learned what Smearlop meant, which was great because some people on the old news group kept calling a friend of ours that. <laughs> what does it mean? Bastard, basically. Oh. Well, okay. <laughs> Nothing that exciting. Smearlop just sounds like a really obscure transformer. But the important thing was that the only copy of it that they could get had some Smearlop. unfamiliar subtitles. Hmm. So, you know, but fortunately, you know, the the bots rebuild it, but they cannot rebuild a projector, and it's cooked, which kind of makes the whole driving theater thing pointless, but good news, and by which I mean bad news, <laughs> yes. uh, Doc Green has created a new projector using the same technology used to make his imaging chamber, which, as you will recall, is the same thing that also created A, gremlins, and B, a plague of cades. So, also to go back for a second, uh, I would just like to point out that when the place goes up in flame, uh, Cade goes in to rescue, oh, now I forgot the guy's name already because I'm bad at names. Mr. Bunty. Mr. Bunty. He goes in to rescue Mr. Bunty. Now, Mr. Bunty is a a nerd stereotype, so he is a, a large man. And Cade absolutely fireman carries him out the door over his shoulder, and that's impressive. Yes. I am well, he's trained to be fireman. You know. Very impressed at Cade just like absolutely carrying this like two hundred and fifty, three hundred pound guy out the door. He Cade is built like a caveman. Mm. I guess that's true. As we mm. have determined, Cade is built like a caveman, so I guess that's fair. But yes, mm-hmm. Dot Green shows up to make things worse. And perhaps None of this cl- is a good idea. And perhaps their first clue is that this thing looks like it has like a monster claw on it. Yes. Yeah, yes. It's like Nothing good is going to come of this. this thing's, it's, a, it's a spark extractor is what it looks like. Oh, wow, it does. It looks like a mis- it looks like it would be a missile launcher that came with a 1995 Kenner action figure. Yes. <laughs> Probably Batman. It would, you know, it would be, you know, like, uh, uh, like Laura Linney from Congo with Ape Blaster. Yes. And then ape this is the Ape Blaster. Claw. Yes, exactly. This is an Ape Capture Claw. <laughs> Maybe some Chaos Effect Jurassic Park figures. So, it, so it, it'll holographically project these monsters as holograms. And of course, we know nothing can possibly go wrong there. 
none of the, this is like sometimes Doc Green has ideas that just seem like they're probably fine, and this is just one that's like this is gonna this is not good. Someone should have stopped him. Like this is clearly not up there with the tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> so, oh man, I forgot about that. What a name! And you know, there's even more good news because Cade has not only found a uh, a new copy of the Attack of Humongado, but they also tossed in all the sequels for free. Which uh, he says that it's about what they're worth. Yes. Well, what Steve Bloom? Well, says. yeah, Mr. Bunty says that. I mean, clearly he's one. Of, you know, he's he's one of those snobbier fans. I think. Whereas I think Cade is just like, bring it on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Cade is obviously like more willing to accept the sequels, whereas Mr. Bunty is a discerning. Yeah, Mr. Bunty is uh, well. You know, I you know I, I enjoy you know Halloween and uh, perhaps the original Nightmare on Elm Street, whereas. Uh, Whereas Cade is excited to see, you know, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yes. Hmm. He is excited to see Jason X. That's right. He is one of those guys who is in a midnight screening of Freddy vs. Jason. Yes. And of course, I mean, I guess, uh, are, you know, are the Godzilla sequels generally considered inferior to the original Godzilla amongst kaiju enthusiasts? No, not really. I mean, the, the, the original Godzilla is like a classic, mm. but a lot of people prefer Godzilla vs. Mothra, the original or Godzilla vs. the thing, to that. I, I guess it's sort of it dips off depending upon your preference. Like if you have a small child, you might be one of the few people that likes. Um, oh god, so Godzilla's Revenge, the the one with Minya, where it's all a dream sequence <laughs> of a small oh, no. child. But Look, yeah, all that, I know is Jet Jaguar. It, it's not an immediate dip off anyway. Mm. It's not like the sequel sucks. Although I guess Godzilla Raids again isn't great, but it's got Angiris, and it's like, it's fine. I mean, it, it seems a lot of Godzilla appeal does from, come from Godzilla fighting other monsters, which he doesn't do until the sequels. No, he does right. not. <laughs> well, in this one, Humongado is fighting Ravenous, which I love because it's just like a flying manta ray, and yes. it's yeah, incredible. It's kind of, well. I guess they were going for a Rodan thing. I mean, but. I mean, they note that he's there sometimes. Uh, for, they're, they're often enemies, but they're also often allies. So, yes. uh, does Rodan yeah. team up with Godzilla a lot? Uh, when King Ghidorah shows up and they have to kill him, yes. Okay, I thought maybe, I thought maybe that was more of a Mothra thing. No, what? I get no about his all. Wait. No, because uh, he teams up with Mothra and Rodan uh, the first time King Ghidorah throws up. Then in Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, it's just Godzilla and Rodan versus Ghidra. And then there's Destroy All Monsters, which is Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, Varan, Aguilas. Freaking every suit they had, including things they didn't have, like Varan, all they had was a little flying prop, because the original suit was gone. Mm. And they had to screw the head back on uh, Baragon because <laughs> that was used as the monster in like five different Ultraman series by just swapping out the head. <laughs> and they just had to find the original head and glue it back on so he's only in like one or two shots. Anyway, okay, let's, that's why I'm here. That's right. That is yes. why you were the man for this episode. <laughs> yes. So yeah, so they, they, they fire this this screening up, and of course Cade, you know, he needs his popcorn when he watches his movies, but he also no, needs some nachos nacho del Cade. Yes. <laughs> oh man, I bet it's, I bet he gets the like, I bet this theater has the really good nacho sauce. Like, oh, wait. Gels, I think, I, I think it I is. Nacho sauce. 
You can buy it in like gas station dispenser sized packages at Walmart and I absolutely did that one time a couple of years ago and I did not regret oh, it. That's good stuff. But of course this microwave causes a power surge which goes into the projector and of course any power surge of course causes a machine to do the most evil thing possible and that is to create a solid hologram of a ravenous Look, that's just science. Yes. That's just yeah. how electricity works. But normally when you have a hard light hologram, there's a hollow B inside it that, that projecting the hard light thing. No. Or a, or an uh, emitter, something. But no, this is just a rogue hologram in 3D. <laughs> Gone mad and colorized. Yes. Which you seems can't like just an extra be in black in. and white in the real world. That's how you know it's real now. Well, sometimes they can find the color information sort of like on the side of the frame, sort of. Oh, it's some film, yes, but it's weird. Oh, and also apparently fans of Humongado are known as Humongadorks. (laughs) That's... No. Sure. No. Uh, I buy it. Oh, because Godzilla fans are just G-fans. Usually. Well, obviously, H fans would be too confusing with the uh, with the '60s Toho movie, The H Man. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes. Admittedly, there was a problem with the Godzilla convention for a while. Was it originally called G-Con? Which turned out was also the name of a gay convention, so it was changed <laughs> to G Fest or something. Eventually, I really appreciate <clears throat> that there is now apparently a queer-oriented comic convention called FlameCon. Well, then again, like, some very, very, although I think Transformers fandom figured out early that trans fans was not a good name. <laughs> I, th- I, I think I went to at least two G-Cons before I became G-Fest. Yep. <laughs> we call those chasers now. Oh, yeah. Uh. So, yeah, they, uh, of course, they do not notice that this giant manta ray has flown off the screen, and so the next morning, uh, the mayor calls to say that there's a monster attacking his house. Oh, yes! And, oh, and, and, and the chief says, oh, like... Oh, it's probably a raccoon. Yes. At first, he's like, there's a monster munching the mayor's mansion. I'm not saying that again. It's probably a raccoon. <laughs> again. <laughs> But indeed, they quickly find out that it is indeed Ravenous, who has, like, a freeze breath. Yeah, well, you got to have something. But, actually, that's the thing. Like, Rodan, I think, was supposed to have a breath in one of the movies, the old movies. But he never had a breath attack mm. until uh, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Mm. So that oh, uh, puts what, what exactly him as a, uh, a compliment to Humo- Humongado, uh, who has a flame breath. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they're fire and ice. Oh, there, there's like four Mechagodzilla movies, and I forget which one's which name, because there's against Mechagodzilla versus Mechagodzilla. S-O-S. Think, oh, it's a Godzilla against Mecha. No, no, that's the I was going to say, I ah. think Terror of Mechagodzilla is the one that <laughs> has an omni-dub that shows up on Comet. Yeah, but I'm trying to find the one that had Rodan in it with the turned into fire Rodan and then sacrificed himself to power up Godzilla at the end of the movie after Godzilla I mean that, had his spine broken. And that tends to be what happens when you, you know, combust. Yes. As you die. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, they, so they, they. Oh, actually, the technical title of the one I'm looking for is Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2, which is in fact not a sequel to Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. It's just a Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla that happened in 1983, or 1993. Because so wait, the naming conventions are weird. Oh, I thought maybe he was fighting, sure. like, Mechagodzilla 2. No, in- he fights Mechagodzilla 2 in, Go- uh, Go- oh, what is it? Shit. Mechagodzilla's Raids Again or something? Uh, okay. It's the sequel to the first mech. The sequel to the first Mechagodzilla, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, has Mechagodzilla two, which is just Mechagodzilla one reconstructed with the number two stuck on his arm. I thought maybe this might be like a RoboCop two situation, in in which RoboCop fights RoboCop two. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a little on the well, nose. Godzilla traditionally fights Mechagodzilla because Mechagodzilla is built. 
by no by humans half the time by aliens the other half of the time to kill Godzilla because we do not like Godzilla. Aww, what a bunch well, of Godzilla jerks. destroys. Well, from the aliens' perspective, it's like well, we want to take over Earth, and Godzilla's a pain in the ass. Anyway, I, anyway, I like that Blades' immediate reaction is no. Like, we, we are not fighting this giant monster. Why don't we just leave? Well, yeah. <laughs> it does somehow dig a giant hole in the ground. Into the hole. Blades is just like... Blades is just like... Nope. Yes. It, the hollow earth is real under Griffin Rock. Because there's so many caves. And, and also somebody caves. asked, you know, how, how, could, how could a movie monster be rampaging through Griffin Rock? And the chief is all, how could this happen anywhere else? <laughs> yes. Reasonable question. So yeah, they they get into the uh, the tunnels, and indeed, it it is vulnerable to bright light, much like a mogwai. Yeah, well, some oh, is it Barugun that doesn't like? No, Barugun is attracted to like ruby light or something. The, the I was bear, hoping it would have something to do with the the holographic nature of them, and that like diffuses the mm. light that they're made of, but that doesn't seem to be the case. It just seems to be a random weakness. So so they, they put it into a big mantaquarium. They uh, they <laughs> take it back to the, uh, the, uh, the, the driving theater, and luckily Doc has figured out how this has happened. He's got all sorts of... He's got this machine re- rigged up and ready to send it back into the movie world like, uh, like so much last action hero... <laughs> but then it takes a minute or two to charge up. Yes, and then he's about to do it. A knob falls off it. Yes. Yeah, he needs to. Okay, a doc. Good job. You created life. Oh. oh. Uh, and yes, also maybe like three D print your knobs better. Also, at mm. one point, shortly before that, we we find out that Danny only likes movies with kissing. Yes, and also she likes Yeah, she likes bunnies singing show tunes. Yes. yes. Kissing, stunt flying, and cute animals. Uh, it doesn't happen that often that there's like a transition in like the Autobot logo with, with the <gasps> fire thing yes! rolls by on the screen. But this time, Ravenous had clawed the logo and his face was on it once. Yes. Yes. I didn't notice there, if there was a Humongado There was a Humongado logo. Okay. I loved the Ravenous one, it made me very happy. <laughs> I like manta rays. So, so they it's are very weird. They are just all searching for this knob on the ground, and then as they as they're trying to, do that, instead of putting Ravenous back, it instead brings Hubungado and his apparently diagenic Godzilla esque theme music into the real world. <laughs> well, no, yes. no, no. Like as it was happening, Cade was like, "Wait, that theme music? Oh shit!" Well, that part of the movie, and then Humongado comes yes. out because yes, he has his own Godzilla theme, as all kaiju should. <laughs> it's a really catchy theme. It is catchy. That's why it's in and virtually Godzuki. every Godzilla movie. So yeah, so it should have Godzuki. So now they're rampaging through the. So now they're both rampaging through the city, especially since Humongado like is trying to smash Ravenous's well, tank. No, no, no. Well, he's trying to smash the tank first. First, Humongado's on his own, and then comes back. But Humongado's like only five stories tall, which I guess makes sense when this city only has five four story tall buildings. So. Can't have him be a hundred meters tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't really need that much dinosaur in a small town. Yeah. Although apparently there is a billboard advertising something dinosaur related. It kind of looks like Devil Dinosaur. Well, there it are. Does. Oh yeah, it kind of does. Well, there are dinosaurs at the local museum. Yeah, honestly, this is all a normal Friday night in Griffin yes. Rock. And he specifically attacks this billboard because, as they recall, even though Humugado is vaguely dinosaur-like, he has fought dinosaurs in the sequel, specifically the Super Source. He hates yes. dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Which oh wait, wasn't there a comic book called Supersaurus? Well, there, there's an actual dinosaur, or at least there was when I was a kid called the Supersaurus. There was like oh, oh, it was one of a succession of extremely large sauropods. Yeah, apparently. Oh, oh yeah, okay. Ultrasaurus. Uh, it and it all was like Supersaurus, yeah. Ultrasaurus. Apparently, Supersaurus is still like a viable species. 
Okay. I think did they make not one that, that turned out to be a variation of an other recognized species? Did they make one for the Mattel Jurassic World line? There was like some really big sauropod. It might have been super sauropod. Maybe there was one in the new movie (laughs) that had some name that it was like Gigantosaurus or something. Oh, Gigantosaurus. Mm. Well, there's Gigantosaurus, but that's that's a uh, that's a theropod. Maybe maybe it was something like Dreadnought or something. Oh, right. Yes, Dreadnought. Yeah. That's probably what you're thinking of. Mm. They made the toy of because mm. it was, you know, in a scene. I don't know. I watched that movie. I realized I've grown up to become Doctor Ian Malcolm, and it made oh, me sad. Dreadnoughts. Dreadnoughts are a genus, so I guess all the really big ones. Yeah, they're dreadnoughts. Yeah, apparently Dreadnoughtus, which sounds like a bad uh, Transformers villain. It, it does. It's <laughs> that's does. like a a Shane McCarthy level like. Deceptive. Yeah, so he fights Super Source in the sequel. They also mentioned there's another sequel where he fights the Rhinoctopus. Oh, that was yes. a great name. That's that's a pretty good. That's one of those things that you just have to leave as a play on words and not like try to bring into being because yeah. nothing can live up to how great that name is. <laughs> so they decide, hey, if he hates dinosaurs, maybe we can turn into dinosaurs and he'll fight us instead of smashing the city. Because hey, we've still fortunately everyone has left the area, so they can do that. Now, is there a Godzilla movie where Godzilla fights dinosaurs? Uh, explicitly dinosaurs? Hmm. Not- I mean, Godzilla's kind of a dinosaur. Yes, that's the thing. Because like, or Anguilla's is kind of an ankylosaur. And I mean, uh, Rodan is kind of a pterosaur. Well, that's where his name comes from. Radon. Oh right, all right, Tyrannodon, Rodan, yes. right. So explicitly yes, but considering he is one, no. And well, in one of the movies, we do see a Godzilla Saurus that gets <laughs> irradiated by a nuclear bomb test and becomes Godzilla. So <laughs> yes, he's fought. He's fought aliens, other dinosaur giant thingies. He's fought kings of Kong multiple times. So yeah, they all turn into dinosaurs. There is a a big dinosaur fight. Yes, which feels like it's an homage to the Dinobots versus Devastator from G1. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Which in itself is an homage to Godzilla versus King Ghidra, thanks to Don Glut. <laughs> so this is an homage to an homage of Godzilla. Which was delightful. It all comes back around. Yes, it does. Oh, did, did Don Glut tell that story at BotCon's? To, I'm not sure offhand. Because I know he was at G-Cons and G-Fests a few times. Mm. I saw him tell that story. It's like, yeah, you know, anytime I had the Dinobots fighting the Decepticons, yes, I was just basically writing Godzilla scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did have a lot of, like, fire breath and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so unf- I guess mostly slack. So, unfortunately... Uh, Ravenous has used his his ice beam to get out of this cage and is now terrorizing Doc Green and Frankie. But they are able to use a quote-unquote light touch to uh, to get him back into his (laughs) uh, into his tank. And so and so they send blades to go and get uh, Ravenous to act as bait so they so they can lead him back to the drive-in. So, so yeah. which goes reasonably well while Humunga Humunga Doe is like they chased him to the edge of the ocean and he's in the water and Chase is shocking him over and over as he's roaring don't tase me bro <laughs> kaiju uh, at one point <laughs> even shocks the ocean itself uh, at one point Chase says fictional beast you're resisting an officer of the law <laughs> yes oh. oh Chase and of course, earlier in the episode, he also mentioned that I, for one, have already lost the story subtext as he was watching the uh, movie. <laughs> well, I mean, he he doesn't seem like someone who's good with subtext. Well, that that could be a subtle hint at Godzilla movies, where the first one is definitely about subtext, and as the movies go on, it has less to do with subtext until we hit Shin Godzilla, which is nothing but subtext. I was going to say, of, I mean, wow, the Japanese government really fucked up Fukushima. <laughs> Well, there's also the one where the subtext is pollution is bad. 
Well, yes. Oh, yeah, that's another smog monster. It's The 70s ones are weird, but in a good way. I kind of love that one. It's one of my... Is it one of my five favorites of the old ones, I guess? I've seen but. that one, and it is extremely weird. Oh, it's great. It's a, it's, it's like a psychedelic eco-horror kaiju movie. Yeah. It's very 70s, very psychedelic. Good music. Anyway, so... So Ravenous is free. They assume that they're about to fight, but instead, they're going to team up to fight the dinosaurs. Oh no, they're bros! <gasps> oh no, they're teaming because up! Because I guess Kate has seen all these movies and not realized that, oh, they're friends sometimes. Oh no! Yeah, well, well, well they're not friends in the first I think he wasn't thinking movie. about it. They're just friends in the sequel. Yeah, well, Maybe he was assuming that since they came from a print of the first movie, mm. then they were at the first movie stage of their character development. Uh, it's, it's, he was incorrect. It's like if you got Sigourney Weaver from the first Ghostbusters, she'd know how to play the cello or whatever it is she plays <laughs> in that movie. Yeah, she but changes she would, jobs in the sequel. That's weird. Right, but she wouldn't know how to restore art because she's an art restorer in Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is a really odd job change. I mean, a lot of Ghostbusters 2, while I enjoy it, is extremely haphazard. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yes. I love that movie, but... A lot of it happens because of reasons. It's like three drafts in, they realized, oh, right, Ernie Hudson was in these movies. I guess we should put him in. Aww. Yeah. Uh, don't give Ernie Hudson enough to do. Give him more to do, he's great. Yeah, but of course, they do know that in the sequel, they team up not only to fight Super Source, but also, of course, the Rhine Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, what, what does a rhinoctopus look like? I, I want to see the rhinoctopus. I mean, it's it's very Sentai combining two monsters randomly. <laughs> so, so so Blades does manage to conquer his fear long enough to ride the mighty Ravenous. Yes, he calls a spike belly because he has spikes yes. on his belly, but also because he has been getting called yellow belly and then blue belly. <laughs> So he's turning it around. So they, they get them in front of this projector, and finally they are sent back into the world of the movies, along with Jack Slater. <laughs> you just released two two dinosaurs from the movie. Big mistake. Now, hopefully, this device will be going back to the island of Misfit Tech. Yes. I, apparently, there is a rhinoctopus in some, like, Spider-Man for Kids cartoon? What? I mean, it's probably like the rhino with, like, Dr. Octopus's tentacles. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That sounds boring. That is exactly what happens, yes. Okay. Boring. <laughs> boring. It could still I mean, be fun. It, it does say her tentacle suit, so it's apparently... One oh, I think it's like that guns. one with, young, like, for, like, Spidey and his amazing friends or whatever, yeah, and I think true. it has, like, the Carolyn Trainer. Dr. Octopus. Oh! Right, now I have to watch it. Or, I mean, it may be like the Olivia Octavius, like the, you know, the Catherine Hahn one. Yeah. She better be back in the sequel. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so... Uh, she was great. So, yeah, the, 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 also, <laughs> clearly had dated Aunt May. Jeez. So the, the kaiju are back in the... Uh, are back in the movie, but Cade, you know, he realizes, hey, if they're if these two are friends, that recontextualizes the entire movie series. I'm gonna have to watch them all again. <laughs> and despite uh everything, the family decides to watch them with him. Aw, that's very nice of them. Yeah, first they don't want to do, but then then they're there at the end. Oh wait, wait, it's like okay, so I guess Ravenous is Rodan. <clears throat> but he's also sort of like Anguilus because they're trying to murder each other in their first movie together, but then they're friends throughout the rest of the series. That's weird. Then again, most importantly, he is a giant flying manta ray. Yes. Yeah, Anguilus is kind of the Krillin of Godzilla movies. Oh, oh man, I love Krillin because oh. he gets jobbed out in later movies. Godzilla beats the shit so out hard. of <laughs> oh. Poor Krillin. He's trying. I'm a, He's trying I'm a, so hard to keep up with everyone else. I'm a little surprised they haven't brought him into those American ones yet. Uh, yeah, well, if they have sequels, I don't know anything. Well, well, cause, well they're making a Godzilla vs. Kong, too. Yes, hopefully they bring Anguilus. I think there was an idea to bring at least an Anguilus-like thing in one of the movies, but it got shelved. And they're also making that TV show. 
What? What? Oh, right. It's some monster. I mean, it's in the universe. It's it's uh, it's got um, what's it? It's got Kurt Russell and White Russell are in it. I assume a Netflix thing. It's uh, Apple TV, I think. Oh, so I'll never see it. I have that. Wait until you get a new iPad or something, and then you can just binge it in a, the free month or whatever you get. If yes, I get a new... Free year. That would imply I've ever had an <clears throat> iPad or ever want an iPad. Well, okay, then. Fair. You'll just have to uh, check out the darker corners of the internet. Yes. Yo-ho-ho. Ho. I mean, eventually I might get a pad of some kind to read comics on, but... That's a pad it. of I. <laughs> I, I kind of... I don't want to deal with iTunes as the thing. I hate iTunes. So. That's probably fair. Alright, and so that is The Attack of Humongado. I really enjoyed this one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's very silly in a Rescue Bots kind of way, but I am a sucker for big monsters. Yeah. Ravenous also has a really good pun name because it's a ray. The eight-year-old inside me was ecstatic watching this episode. <laughs> like This it's is exactly good. what I would have wanted as a child. I mean, there just aren't enough mo- uh, episodes where Transformers fight kaiju. That's true. Yeah, that is, really that is a fact. No, it's not usually that big of monsters because they're fighting the other giant robots. Yeah, that's true. And also, obviously, you can't get into any gore or anything in Transformers media, generally. Well, many kaiju movies don't have gore, unless you're watching Gamera, and even then, it's usually green blood. Mm. Kaiju movies aren't usually that gory, traditionally. Well, Godzilla was anyway. Sometimes there's blood, but... Well, I guess a lot of those are, I guess a couple of those early ones are in black and white, so you can't see as much. You can't tell. I don't even think that... Well... In the first one, it's just Godzilla. There's no blood to be seen. The second one, I don't think there's blood in Gigantus, the fire monster. I'm trying to think. It's like how you start out with with Terminator having, like, full-on naked Arnie butt, and then you end up with Genesis, which was rated PG-13. I mean, listen. CG, not naked Arnie butt. I mean... They did not expect people to be watching the Terminator in sufficient resolution that you could see Schwarzenegger dangling all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 4K Terminator. Oh, no. But I guess they... What is well it is the way too long sex scene in that movie. Yeah. It's set to, like, the sexy piano version of the Terminator theme. Yes. It was like da 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 da. Michael Bean's butt. Da 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 da. Anyway, so so yeah, I enjoyed that a lot, and I believe that now brings us to the thematically appropriate David's Tokusatsu Corner. Yeah, sorry, there's no Godzilla-like monster in this episode. Of one, two, three, four, five, five man. Hold the man. Get the Earth drunk is the title okay. of this episode. Like the people on it or the planet itself? The people on it. Oh, okay. Uh, the monster of the week is Zorugan. Um, he's introduced by uh, the. Um, the bad guys, they're they're in a hive of scum and villainy bar that is in their base. You have various monsters in the background. You have billions, you have the other guys, you have the mushroom Godzilla thing walking around. He's singing the big mushroom guy. I like mushrooms. He's doing karaoke in this bar. Whereas Billions is getting drunk, and then uh, oh, what is the girl's name? Uh, Dole Dora and her sidekick Zaza. Bring over, like, Billions has finished his drink. They bring over a thing. It's like, oh, you want another drink? It's like, yeah, sure. And then they hand him a glass of water. Glass. And it turns out, what the fuck is this? This is water. They're like, yes. And then they bring in the monster of the week, who's this big blue elephant. He sticks his trunk in the water, and it turns to sake. Hmm. So we have a monster that can turn water into alcohol. And that is the plot of the week. Is the monster Jesus? 
What? Yes, yes, he, he's Elephant Jesus. Ooh. That just sounds like a Hindu god. Because, you know, Ganesh, yeah, elephants. I know. Can he turn one? I don't know. Anyway, they bring the monster to a reservoir and it poisons the water for the entire town, presumably Tokyo or whatever. And the first people we see drinking the water are children playing soccer. So we have child actors pretending to be drunk before it cuts to other townspeople like a cop, a nun, all wasted, including a dog that is drunk. Oh. Delightfully. Wait, let me. Oh, I have to share a picture of drunk doggy. This is dog acting like a drunk. He's, oh, he's on his back. So cute. But yeah, anyway, uh, meanwhile, Yellow is out in, in the forest training. And apparently, hey, this is filmed in the winter. There's snow everywhere. But she's Yay. doing kung fu training with, with their robot nanny, who's... She's training by fighting remote-controlled mini-UFOs? Like, they look like little cosmoses painted silver <laughs> that she's kicking the ass of. Uh, anyway, so the rangers find out, oh shit, everyone in town is drunk. And, and so they're trying to solve that problem. But uh, the yellow ranger turns out to be the closest one to the dam, the reservoir. And she goes to, to fight uh, Doldora and Zaza. And Doldora's like, I, I don't even need to do anything to fight you. Zaza, go, go fight her. Like, you can handle her. But she can't because of kung fu. Oh. Or just barely does, but the monster's also there, so she can't do both of them. But the monster of the week squirts sake or some kind of alcohol out of his trunk, and oh no, yeah, the, no, the, he does that, but then they knock her into the reservoir, which is all alcohol, so she's super drunk when she comes out. And don't then, of you, course, the like, other Rangers you, don't, you don't just absorb it through your skin. Like, I'm pretty sure you can swim in alcohol and not get but, drunk. This is magic elephant Jesus water to wine. It, oh. it absorbs through your skin. I guess I don't. Know. Okay, carry on. We're, we're doing. We're, we're leading ourselves toward drunken kung fu. We have to get there somehow. <laughs> She's doing kung fu. There's drunkenness. It's gonna happen. Anyway, so she gets doused, and, and it turns out. Well. It, 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 no, you're not going to have a hangover from this alcohol. Everybody's going to go to sleep because they're drunk, but then they're never going to wake up. <laughs> it's super killer alcohol. Oh. Oh, well, that's not good. Anyway, the bad guys disappear, and then the ranger's like, no, no, yellow, you have to stay at the base. You're too drunk. We'll go fight the monster, but you can't do it without me. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, you stay here. We'll go. And also, the bad guys have upped their plan because they're at like a refinery, and it turns out he can turn other liquids into alcohol, and he's turned gasoline? It, like, cars are literally drunk. I don't know how that works, but there are cars that are drunk that have, like, flushed red cheeks on their bumper, and they're crashing into each other because the cars are drunk. <laughs> and oh my god, I love this show, that's so stupid. This is, uh, yeah, this is another level here. Yes, it, and, and the, the elephant himself is powered by alcohol, so he's getting stronger. Oh no, but is he Bender? The Yellow Ranger has realized, oh, I'm, it's not that I'm drunk that I can't fight, I'm not drunk enough to fight, so she does the classic, uh, drunken boxing thing where he's drinking alcohol while dodging all the monsters' attacks and smacking them in the back. Nice. And she wins. And then they blow up the monster. The monster grows big. And then the giant robot does drunken kung fu because Yellow takes the controls. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they beat the monster of the week. Nice. <laughs> and the bad guy's plan was to get Earth drunk. And that was the one it delivered. It was so good. It's one of my <laughs> The day the Earth stood shakily. This is yes. and the dog. They had a dog actor playing drunk. <laughs> it was so cute. The I day the Earth episode. leaned up on a lamppost. <laughs> I, I mean, the, does this sentites show for little children to keep them entertained and sell toys and things? 
But this is one of the craziest, most fun Sentai episodes I've ever seen. <laughs> by the simple premise, get everyone drunk. Everyone, the world, the everyone. whole world. That's the Thanks. place. And like the, the bad guys, like their emperor's thing. It's like we've destroyed nine hundred ninety nine other worlds. This is the thousandth. And the elephant says, "Yeah, we've taken over some other worlds, but this entire strategy of getting everyone drunk—it's worked before." Wow. <laughs> oh, it's great! Like, if you're going to watch one episode, admittedly they don't have the stream, and you have to buy the DVD or find it on the internet. But I suggest buying the DVDs of this because after four episodes, this is not my favorite show. I don't think every anything is ever going to replace Gokaiger, but this is threatening to come into the top five so far after four episodes. Definitely <laughs> top ten. <laughs> it's delightful. All right, so that uh, that is it for us for this week. We'll be back next week with more Rescue Boss action. Until then, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are hosted on IaconUnderground.net, where we have a Patreon set up to help with hosting and other expenses. That is at patreon.com slash iaconunderground. Uh, for the month of October, we have gone spooky, but not too spooky. We're keeping it at, like, a proper, like, kid's level of spooky uh, with Hocus Pocus, uh, which a surprising number of us had not seen until very recently. Yeah, uh, in that any of us hadn't seen it. <laughs> I watched it last year. Mm. Uh, for November, we have not yet decided on something. Uh, maybe we'll pull something out of our informal list of backburnered ideas we've been meaning to do. Mm. Or maybe something fun will just pop up out of nowhere and we'll be like, that's the thing we need to do. Mm. But we will definitely have something very fun for the month of October, or for the month of November. We just don't know what it is as of this recording. That's right. So until next time, we we encounter yet another rest, uh, we get another Griffin Rock Festival Bot Appreciation Week Ooh. in all bots, great and small. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I want to have festivals. I'm David. Oh, and I've filled up one fifth of this five section notebook or episode notes. And I'm going after this. I'm going to go see if there's any dry ice left to put in some alcohol. I'm David. Mm, okay. Alcohol ice. Dry ice.